Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. Surprise, this is a bonus throwback episode. Last spring, I interviewed my friend and colleague, Jackie Perry. At the time, Jackie was finishing her first book, Heart Cries of Every Teen, Eight Core Desires That Demand Attention. Well, now we have something to celebrate because her book has now been published and is available on Amazon. So this seemed like the perfect time to revisit our conversation. Heart Cries of Every Teen is such a good book, and it's receiving great reviews. If you have an adolescent in your life, this is a book that you definitely will want to read. Jackie is a licensed professional counselor and supervisor, and I loved interviewing her about counseling and about writing. This was originally a two-part podcast, but for this throwback episode, I've combined the two parts into one episode. If you didn't get to hear it last spring when it first aired, now is the perfect time to check it out. If you have already heard this episode, you may want to listen again before going out and buying Jackie's book. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. I'm so excited to have Jackie Perry with me today for this podcast episode. Welcome, Jackie. Would you like to share a little about yourself with our listeners? Thank you, and sure. So um, I am a wife of 28, wait, <laughs> 27 years, and a mom of three adult children. Our youngest, who's about to leave home, is 18, almost 19, then 20, almost 21, and 23, almost 24. One's married. And then I am a counselor, licensed professional counselor and supervisor, I'm also uh, an adjunct faculty member at Lenore Rhine. I'm doing a little teaching at Montreal College, and I'm a third-year doc student at Regent University getting my PhD in counselor ed and supervision. And yes, it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> which is why I'm so thankful that you came yeah. today and that you had time to do that. Thanks. Do you have like a fun fact or a random fact you'd want to share about yourself? Oh, fun fact. No pressure. Uh, I mean, because this is not a video and maybe people don't know this about me because my last name is Perry. I mean, I'm very proud to be a first generation American. So I grew up in an immigrant family and I speak a second language. I speak Spanish. So I think people who know me know that fun fact, but that is very fun. You, the listeners who've never seen me or met me might not know that I, yeah, I'm bilingual and and you don't have an accent for it's, sure. No, so no, no, no. Yeah. Me. English was my first language, even though, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you want to, did you say what country? Colombia. My parents were immigrants. Yeah. My dad came uh, and did his residency here and stayed. That's and, very cool. Yeah. So that's a fun fact, I guess. You have been a counselor for a lot of years. Can you share about what led you into that ministry? Yes. So my dad was a um, physician. And for as long as I can remember, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And so I rounded with him as a young girl. I rounded with him as a high school student, went off to college to um, get a pre-med degree and, and just kind of go into practice potentially with my dad. And probably like the second to third year in college, um, in the middle of all those really heavy science classes, I kind of hit a wall um, emotionally. I, I think mentally, yeah. And I started hating all that I was doing and kept thinking it's okay. It's, I, I could see the product of all of that, which would be being by, you know, bedsides of people, which I, I saw my dad do for so long. And, um, in the midst of that one night in a prayer group, I really kind of had, 
a, a major panic attack. It was awful. And yeah, it was an awful moment. And so I ended up in a counselor's office um, on campus, I think the next day. To make a long story short, this wonderful man who I need to go back and thank someday if he's still alive, um, took me through a battery of tests, really sat with me, helped me kind of work through all that I was dealing with, stress as well as um, I think maybe a dream that was morphing before me. Um, anyways, he did some career testing and kind of helped me see that what I was drawn to was people more than um, the science aspect. And so he kind of helped me think about the idea of dropping biology. I, had, I was a biopsych double major. So I dropped the biology. Um, and and then the Lord just like me, it just started like rolling out before me. I didn't know where I was going to go afterwards. I ended up at a campus in Atlanta. Like if that's a whole another story, but I ended up at a campus that's now called Richmond, Richmond, visited it, just knew I was supposed to go there, never applied anywhere else. And so there are little pieces of affirmation and confirmation that came along the way in that season that were like, it felt like one after the other. Yeah. But, um, but that's kind of the path loosely of how I ended up in counseling ministry. That's so, neat. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So specifically, you're well known for looking at counseling for teenagers and mm-hmm. adolescents. That's mm-hmm. sort of your focus area, right? Yes. What led you to that specifically? Um, I think it was just an internship in college, in graduate school. Um, I, My husband-to-be, or thought was going to be my husband, was in young life ministry yeah. full time. And I, we were both always drawn to adolescents. And so my first internships were working at residential treatment. Um, I think I was drawn by the resistance in teenagers. I think I saw that as a challenge and sort of, yeah, it just drew me in instead of away. And so I never... I never did anything else. Upon graduation, I started working with college students and then ended up with young children and adolescents and treatment centers and and then thought, well, I'll just do this for a while until I'm not cool or I look like their mom. Uh, and now I do and I still am. <laughs> and so I think, and I say this a lot to, to parents, the decade between 12 and 22 is so key for treatment, for growth, for change, for development, all kinds of things that I feel like it's a privilege to be in that window yeah. of, of my clients' lives to just sort of help play a role in the Lord shifting them slightly in some area. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's how. <laughs> I agree. I love counseling 16 to 22 about that age. There's so much energy and passion. Yeah. And potential. Yes. And potential. <laughs> okay. So the focus of this particular podcast is your journey of writing a book, which has been long and hard. Yeah. (laughs) But so good. I think and we're all like waiting at the edge of our seats to be able to read this book. So can you talk about what led you from counseling into the process of writing this book? Um, there's a lot of layers to that, but I will say this. I've always, uh, loved writing. I'm not a huge journaler, but as a kid, like I remember, in elementary school, many years in a row, entering storybook contests and writing little stories. And so I think in me, there was always a desire to tell a story or put something together for the benefit of somebody else. And then I'm not sure when that started sort of, well, actually I am sure, like after my third child was born, I started making some steps towards like, I don't know, revisiting some things I'd left behind, some dreams. And so I started writing um, on my own little 
kind of like what would it be, what would be blogs, but back then they weren't blogs really. And, um, it started brewing. So I went to a writer's conference in Charlotte. This was a long time ago. So I'm thinking this was like, it actually was before number three, so probably 2000. Anyways, a long time ago, um, it was not a good experience. And I felt very, um, not affirmed, picked apart. And I left really kind of broken. Like I was not meant to be a writer or a speaker. And so I sort of shelved that. And um, I think it was really, I couldn't take some feedback that they were giving me um, that felt a little heavy on the critical side. I didn't know how to come out of that and take it and receive it. So it went dormant for a while until I met a friend who'd gone to another writing conference and was just talking about it. And I think I shared with her just this longing I'd had for so long. So she encouraged me to go to this one that she went to every year called Blue Ridge Christian Writers Conference. I think it's called Mountain Christian Writers Conference in in, um, in the Asheville area. So the year I decided to go, she didn't go. Um, her name is Angie Peisel. She actually is the author of two books right now. And um, yeah. yeah, she was a huge inspiration for me to go to that first one. And I remember going, knowing nobody and getting out of my car. And it was like these moments I've had in my life and I haven't had tons but I felt immediately, like literally stepping out, you're a writer. Like I just felt that that you're a writer. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm supposed to be here. And and so I met people. I was affirmed. I met who is now my agent, David Van Deest, and um, was very affirmed by him. I was like, this is so easy. Like what in, what in the world? Like this is great. Like I'm getting affirmed. I have great ideas. And so at that first conference, um, I was invited by David to send him a pitch, which is a long process of sort of like 20 to 30 page kind of paper that's about your your book. So I did. And that was in 2000. I think 11, 2010, 2011, and it's 2019. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember you winning some That was prize. 2014, was that yes, okay. and different conference. Okay. Yeah, so it started in 2010 with that first conference, which led to a second conference, which led to me sending him book chapters and him really saying it needed more work, wrong direction, dry kindly saying these things and and then me hitting a wall I think at the third year of going to a writer's conference and crying and praying with my husband one night and saying I feel like I'm supposed to write this book the book that I wrote and the reason I felt like I was supposed to write this book was because it was not something I could find out there to give my clients, my clients and their parents. Yeah. The book was originally going to be written for kid, for teens. I just didn't find anything that existed that talked about the, the subject matter of the book for yeah. this age group. And parents are the ones that need the information. Right. And so it switched to a parenting book um, on the advice of my agent who said parents buy books, not teenagers. So if you write the book for your parents, for That's parents. True. Yeah. If you write the book for parents and then write a second book, if you want tailored towards teens, parents, after they read your book are more likely to buy it for their teens, which made sense to me, but it kind of sh- shifted. So, so that's what, why I wrote the book and I felt very invited by the Lord. It's never been a burden. I think I felt like it's been a burden, but I feel like he's invited me all along on this journey to write this. So after the third conference, when I did all kinds of things from hiring somebody to work with me to going to an intensive and still not writing a product that was not just to me, not okay, but even to the people who I entrusted it with, it was not 
where it needed to be. I hit a wall again and asked and said to John, I feel like the Lord is asking me to climb Mount Everest and I don't know how to do it. I can't get past the, the base. And so his words to me, and I can picture exactly where we were and, and just how I felt. He was like, okay, so what would you do if in your life, if you couldn't, you know, if you couldn't do the task, you would, you would hire somebody to help you. And so I was like, I feel like we've already done that. So I, I did, I found an editor. I found somebody who helped me. I took a year and a half off of work and, and I would love to say all this ended in a great place. It didn't, none of it produced the book. And I shelved the book and decided it was okay. The Lord was not disappointed with me. And so in 2012, so I think it actually started in 2010 because by 2012, two years later, I'd shelved the book yeah, for good and decided my kids were getting older. One was about to graduate and it was time for me to write other things and focused on them. Because we work together, I have kind of watched you walk some of this journey. And so I know that there have been some hiccups kind of mm-hmm. along the way. A lot. So I was wondering, both rewards and hardships, what have been some of the unexpected things that you would not have foreseen? Um, I, if somebody had told me back in 2010, I think was the beginning of this, maybe even 2009, that, uh, this thing that I started would take 10 years. I, I don't, I wouldn't, number one, I wouldn't have believed them. I, number two, I think I would have instantly felt some shame and unfortunately, and some sorrow. Like, <laughs> why can't I, like, why is it going to take me that long? So that's been unexpected. And I think back me back then versus me now thought I had it in me to do something faster than this. Like I thought I had the skill set. I thought like, what's wrong with you, Jackie? You, you do hard things and then you come out on the other side. And this, even though I'm on the other side soon, it has completely, this is where I'm going to start crying, it has completely changed me for the better, but it has been hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I, I don't think I was prepared for how much this would touch my stuff, yeah. my junk, and, um, yeah, perhaps that's why the invitation came so gently and repeatedly from the Lord, you know, not so much about product, but process. Yeah. If oh that man, that's sense. the hard part in life. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And it seems like most of the hard things he calls us to do, do come with sort of a passion at the beginning that then we can follow through to a marathon. Yeah. Yes. It's an, it's a naive, for me, it, it was a naive sort of like, this is, this is so like, this doesn't happen to people. Like I, I got an invitation to be an agent, like signed with an agent. This is amazing. This is easy. People say this is hard. And I, I, you know, God protects us. So mm-hmm. I needed some of that. Yeah. So as you've gone along throughout this process, how has the Lord encouraged you or brought people alongside you that have given you like as you've shelled it. Yeah. The breath of fresh air you need to keep going. Um, so I think all along, I do feel like this has been an invitation and not a burden. I, I have battled that with people out loud with the Lord. Um, and I think that's taken the pressure off. I felt like the Lord has said, like, I invite you to co-labor with me in life. And I'm not going to, I'm not, um, putting a noose around your neck to do this or tying you to something, tying you down. And so I think that kept bringing me back to it, honestly, was like the invitation is open. And I think sometimes we don't have that privilege where, you know, the window closes and there's no longer a way to go back to something. But this invitation, I I felt like never ended, which for me as a performer and somebody who 
feels like uh, achievement is a big deal, doing things starting and finishing. The negative side of that is like, <laughs> this isn't going away, is it, Lord? So I better just like push through. And all along the way, there have been many people who have been, some not even knowing, like huge encouragers, um, saying the right thing. In fact, just like last week when I was talking to um, or emailing one of the editors that I work with, the acknowledgement section in the beginning of this book is embarrassingly long. And it's because there's a lot of people listed <laughs> and like a new set of people as I moved that needed to be listed that were never a part of the beginning of the book. So that's just the sweetness of God that yeah. he brings these people that I couldn't have foreseen. I'll tell you, the book is dedicated to my husband and because he's now we get sad again, <laughs> excited or whatever, tender. Um, yeah, John has been there. Like he's just been this voice of encouragement. Not you have to, but you can if you want. I'm here. What do you need from me? How can I support you? How can we change our life? You need to take a break from work. Okay, I'll take a break from work. What do you? That's a blessing. <sighs> it's a treasure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And even hard criticism and hard, like an editor, my editor's name is Betty Hassler. And it's a funny last name because she is Hassler. (laughs) She has hassled me in a beautiful way and sometimes in a hard way. Um, Challenge me. You can do this. What's going on inside of you? What, what, What can we talk about? Why is this, you know? So, and then, I mean, you know, just even like my own walk with like my quiet times and, and you just when you've been walking with the Lord as long as I have been since I guess I'm 14, it's funny. Like everything becomes like, Oh, how funny. This is like perfect timing. It's like billboards all around you. So yes. sermons, the study you happen to be signed up for with a women's group, the devotional you pick up. It, yeah. It's manna. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's always been that it's yeah, good along the way. So. Has there been a scripture passage that has been encouraging to you through this process or that you just really hold on to in life? There is a verse I hold on to in life, and, and it's funny because it seems to apply to everything. So that's a good sign of a life, so verse. A life verse. Yeah, yeah. So I have a life verse. It's kind of long. It's Psalm 73, 25 through 28. Whom have I in heaven but thee, and besides thee I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. Um, those who are far from thee will perish. I think something about you will destroy all of those who are wicked. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I will make the Lord God my refuge so that I may tell of all his works. So that's kind of rough in terms of, but that verse, pieces of it, um, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This book is about the heart of our teens And as I've been writing it, God has refined my heart and reminded me of just... It's amazing how he does that. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So that's been a huge verse for, like, it's been my life verse, but it's that little section of, like, you're the strength of my heart. You are it. And so as I feel like my flesh isn't enough, it's failing repeatedly, and it did. I've shared pieces of the failures. There's been a lot. So... Going back to this inner place, this I like to call it the core place within us with teenagers uh-huh. of, of mind and spirit. I just feel like there's just been this refining and strengthening for me. Um, 
and God's used that verse. So yeah. that's my life verse, and that's been sort of a little pieces of, like even the ending. As well, for me, there's this nearness say. of God is my good. Well, I've I was made you talk about telling of the good works because here you are. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to say, that. yeah, exactly that I may tell of all your works. Yes. Yeah made you my refuge and I do feel like that's been very true of this journey it's just been messy Mm -hmm. and I've had people say good things but people who've said unhelpful things like why is this so hard it's like you already have it written just write it and um that's very (laughs) it wasn't coming from a shaming place but I've had left many of those conversations feeling really small yeah really small. And so again, that's my work, not theirs. It's my, like how I receive that, uh, that I kind of feel like the Lord has used. Mm -hmm. So, well, you have such a charisma that I think you make things look easy. I've, I've heard that a lot as I share kind of my mess messes in parenting in my, in our marriage and in this process. Um, I do think people have projected on me something that I probably project to them, but is not true of necessarily who I am. So I also think that God's used that to sort of allow me to, to just share some of the brokenness, hard places with me. Yeah. How did the information in this book become so important to you that you felt like you needed to write it? Yeah. So, um, I have always you know, I think back to graduate training, realize the importance of helping clients understand what are emotional needs or heart needs. And I, and I heard a speaker talk about those. And I think in my, so that's one thing. And then in my work with teenagers, one of the missions I guess I have for parents and even teens themselves is helping them see past the outside and, and really explore what's going on underneath. I think that's a key part of what we do as therapists. And so, um, that's really hard if there's not some sense of organization about helping parents understand what could be underneath other than like feelings and thoughts. And so this book came out of a way of me just practicing with teenagers saying, there are certain things that because you're made by God, you really, that because you're human, you carry with you. And these are them. And what I found, Ginny, is that teenagers were not disputing me ever. I've never had a teenager say, no, I don't have that desire. They might say that doesn't drive my behavior, I, I, but I recognize it lives with me. But they me. probably wouldn't say it like that. Right. Uh, it's not important to me. Right. Like, yeah. I don't think about it all the time, but I never had a teenager say, no, that's not in me. Um, and so when I started seeing that and, and I started drawing them as kind of buckets within our soul, and I guess I'm sort of starting to talk about the content of that's the book. That's good. Keep on going. Um, and seeing how it started to make sense and it helped parents latch on to what was underneath, um, then it was like, okay, I need to start speaking about this and sort of sharing. I've always felt like counseling is a great thing, but m- most people don't need to go to a counseling office to learn some things. So that kind of led to a speaking, me stepping out and speaking and doing some training for counselors on what I call it at the time, heart needs or desires of the heart. Um, and, and there, there is a great book written by Mark Laser that talks about the seven desires of a heart. And he really talks about it in the context of marriage. And I saw most of those overlapping with adolescence, but some of them not. And then there were some others that I felt like were key to adolescence. So I wished he had done something with that and adolescence. And I wish there was something out there, but there really wasn't anything talking about these emotional needs and how they relate to behavior and how when parents can really see drivers of behavior, um, 
they can really kind of pull back and go, huh, I have a really sacred space within my kid that I can, if I can get beyond what I see, I really might have an impact. The, yeah. That's the challenge, right? I mean, you're a parent. Yes. Like getting beyond what you challenge. see and kind of going, what's underneath this? Is it um, like a sleepless night or is it a heart need or is it like sugar? And so there's a million things that drive behavior, but one big one is is these longings or desires of the heart or, or in this book, which can I tell the name? Is yes, it, yeah. please do. Yeah, so the book is called Heart Cries of Every Teen, Eight Core Desires That Demand Attention. And it really talks about these eight drivers of behavior, mood, all of that. And these eight I picked because they're latched or kind of tethered to the four core areas of development that are shifting in the adolescent years. So think social emotional development, think cognitive development, think spiritual development, and think psychological development. (laughs) I almost forgot. Yeah. So those are big things that are happening in our teens. And And I started realizing, wait, when their hardcore desires are being met, when they're a lucky kid and they've got lots of people in their lives that are kind of pouring into them in healthy ways, they seem to develop in all of those areas much better. It's just smoother. And when heart needs aren't met or uh, there's chaos in life and there's a lack of relationships that are healthy, not only is there an emotional cost and a behavioral cost, there's a delay in psychological development. There's a disruption in spiritual development. There's problems with social, emotional, and cognitive. So those two really go together. And that became Amen. my buy-in. That, Amen, yeah, Bridget. yeah. So that became my buy-in for, for kids, for parents to take it seriously. Like this isn't touchy-feely. This is like so critical to your child's overall development mm-hmm. for them to understand, even if there's not a parent in their lives, but also for parents to understand, oh, they do need relationships. Cutting them off is not the solution. Cutting them off for me is not this, never the solution. So, Do you find that the parents identify with the same core needs? Do they oh, buy in quickly or no? I, I do feel like parents buy in quickly. I feel like the, I think kids buy in quicker. I, I unfortunately see more parents wanting to sort of go to formulaic places. And while this book addresses some healthy things parents can do to sort of satisfy or redirect or address or talk about those desires, it's not comprehensive on purpose. It's more like, get the principle, here's some ideas, let the Lord lead you. Because Which takes time yes. and introspection and that's hard. Yeah, and I just, but that's parenting, mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be done. And I... I don't want this to be, and I hope it never is seen as a manual or a to-do or a step-by-step. It's not written that way, and I'm not a counselor that way. So I think parents get it. Back to your question. I think sometimes there's a, okay, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And unfortunately, it's more, I'm going to give you some ways to conceptualize the center place within the soul. And I use some really, um, some helpful tools of other writers to do that. Um, So you have kind of a visual of like, okay, this is how we can conceptualize us as human beings and how can I get to that place within? And then how can I relay? So for each of the eight desires, I wanted parents to kind of tie it to God's word that like he satisfies these. Mm -hmm. Even the the desire to to be touched, which is one of the hardcore desires. Like there's there's some really neat scriptures of how Holy Spirit satisfies that Mm -hmm. in a different way. Um, 
So it's like, how can it be satisfied through Christ? What are two truths you can relay in the midst of it? And then how are these satisfied in community? And so it's community in Christ, community in Christ, all of them. And it's pushing kids in that direction. Not pushing, but inviting them, I guess, right. to consider both. Not giving up on people who they may see as stupid and unnecessary. That's just, Which is natural when you're a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or writing off people in yes. relationships. Like, I don't need people. Wrong. You do. And this is why. None of these will ever get satisfied by yourself. Um, but also just the other piece of like, and they'll always fail you. They'll mm-hmm. always, like people are going to fail you in all of these, but there is one who won't. And so those truths, truths linked to each of those was important to incorporate as well. So it's really good. Yeah. Excited about it. Okay. Can you share, you mentioned there's eight heart. What did you say? What was the Heartcore desires, I call okay. them. Yeah. Yeah, so in the book, they're written as cries. Like, so um, so let's see if I can remember them all. Okay. <laughs> so they're hear me. I, I long to be heard and understood. Yes, which is a big one. Yeah. Um, include me. I long to be connected in community, um, in relationships with others. Um, notice me. I long to be seen and selected. Protect me. I long to be safe and secure. So that's emotional and physical protection. Allow me, I long to be seen as competent and capable. Remember me, I long to have an impact. Um, And touch me, I long to feel alive um, and reminded that I'm alive. And and they're written a little bit differently, but that's the essence of of the eight that I touch on. And and I recognize in the work that I do with adolescents and in my own kids, um, there's always other ones. And again, in, in, in what we know about the literature, about just development, these emotional needs, we all have some that are very specific to us, but those are pretty key, those eight. They are. I think that first one is the one we see the most in counseling because they want a place to be heard. But for parents especially, all of those are really important to understand. Yeah. Can I say something about that? Please do. <laughs> yeah. So often I'll write them or I don't like to use worksheets a whole lot. I follow up with worksheets, but I'll write them on a whiteboard and ask kids to circle the top two, maybe top three that are like, if they had to wipe off the others, but not let go of these. And Jeannie, I don't know that I've ever had somebody not circle hear me. Yes. It's that essential. And it goes back to the longing to be known and, and, and really, yeah, just known and understood. So I think that's pretty fundamental. And it's often as parents, me included, the one we miss. Mm-hmm. We we don't do the best job because mm-hmm. we're busy commanding, correcting, and criticizing. It's so true. It's so <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. So. Mm. Do you have a rough time frame for when your book's going to be published? Yeah. So we're in final edits, which means it goes out to, I think, a list of 25 people who would read it and give feedback and maybe endorse it hopefully. And it goes out. It's, it's supposed to be out in late October, early November of this so year. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. So more on that yeah. to come. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but do you know like where people will be able to get it? Yeah. You know? So it will be on Amazon. Okay. Um, it will not necessarily be in local bookshelves unless that local bookstore requests it. Right. Um, that's kind of how things have moved in the publishing industry. So this has been a long online for sure. Online for sure. It will be in pre-release. So probably September, October, the pre-release will be on there. Yeah. Yeah, It is. I knew you win. (laughs) Have there been any resources that have been helpful for you in writing this book or just in your own journey kind of through this process? 
in terms of writing, going to workshops, connecting with people, uh, talking, uh, seeking counsel, crying, you know, the things we talked about in the first podcast has been huge. So John. John, John, having a John in your life to support you. Yes, that's been essential. Um, Yeah, I mean, all the other stuff is minor other than Christ and and really praying. And yeah. What are your hopes for how this book is going to minister to people? Um, I... I like the idea of just fresh, a fresh perspective, fresh wind in parents' sails to sort of go, oh, and to increase compassion for what our our kids in that season of life are going through. Not so that they can minimize boundaries or take away consequences, but really so that they can sort of go low, so to speak, in in obtaining a posture and maybe putting into practice some new skills that really help them journey to the center of their kid's heart um, in a way that can help them be the guide their kid is dying for them to be. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's ideal. I would, if any parent reads it and feels like that was fresh wind in my sails and I feel like I, I was able to gain some things, I would honestly bless the socks off of me personally yeah. and hopefully them. So help parents better connect to their children. Yeah. Yeah, in a deep emotional, yeah, deep emotional slash spiritual way. That's good. Yeah. Can you share with us about somebody who inspires you? It can be more than one person. Yeah, so I am lucky to work with two very strong directors. And there there are writers I love um, that have been huge for my spiritual formation and my own soul care. Um, but I, when I think of like the embodiment of encouragement and pictures of who I want to be, I think of Judy Stewart and Shirley Huffman, who are our clinical director and, and director of Cornerstone. Um, they have been incredible encouragers, uh, steadfast, believing in me. Never did I ever see in their faces some of the, I don't know. doubt or judgment that I would see. And perhaps I project on them so much grace because it's what I've experienced through them and compassion and love and um, support. I second that. So I'm a lucky woman to have two women who have been um, just key in this for me, spiritual mothers in different ways. Um, And they're very different women, actually. They're very different women and they've served different roles for me, but that's, yeah, they completely inspire me to, to keep on keeping on. (laughs) I completely agree with that. Actually, they inspire me too. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Is there anything that you would want to say that you, I didn't ask or that you just want to share? No, I'll say this just, you know, I, this has been for the last nine months, it's been kind of, um, a lonely, well, actually the whole road, I will say as much as I've had encouraging the process of book writing is lonely. Um, and so today talking about it and being at this place is probably the first time where I've talked about like in a public way, so to speak, where I am and what's coming. So yeah, this has been fun. Well, I'm counting that as a privilege then. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. It's been a joy. Thanks again to Jackie for being on this podcast episode and for sharing a little bit about your heart, your journey, what the Lord's done in your life and your heart for parents and teens. 
Well, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Do me a favor and go on iTunes and give us a good rating. Good ratings make it easier for new people to find this podcast. Well, that's all for this podcast episode. I'm your host, Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.